What is culture fit? How do you know if you fit with your organization and role? Why should companies hire for culture fit? Hear this and more from Aoife O'Brien, host of the Happier at Work podcast. Hey there, I'm Krista Vance, entrepreneur and operations leader. And I'm Matt Vance, award-winning author and social innovation researcher. We're your hosts of the Culture Profit Podcast. Your place for purposeful company culture strategy. Learn from HR pros, executives, and thought leaders how to prioritize profits by prioritizing people. This episode is sponsored by Mobrium, the best friend of forward-thinking HR leaders helping you strengthen your employer reputation as a reflection of your real culture. Learn more at Mobrium.com. Today we're meeting with a very special guest all the way from Dublin, Ireland. We'd like to welcome Aoife O'Brien, host of the Happier at Work podcast and founder of Happier at Work, the careers and culture platform. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Matt and Krista. It's my absolute pleasure to be here today. Let's hear a little bit about Aoife. So Aoife O'Brien is a company culture expert, public speaker, and award-winning podcast host. She consults a wide variety of organizations on how to increase retention and productivity of teams while creating a positive and engaging work experience. With a background in data analytics from the CPG industry, Aoife takes a pragmatic approach to culture strategy with a personal touch. It's very impressive. And and while we were talking um, previously, I loved hearing a little bit more about um, some of the work you've done with data analytics of retail spaces and kind of that experience and how that, um, I guess, maybe speak to us a little bit about how that transitioned over to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was a career that I loved. I did it for almost 20 years. Um, I'm so interested by data and its application, what we can use it for. And I found myself in some work situations that weren't really working out for me uh wasn't really a good fit when I didn't understand that terminology at the time but when I look back at that time I think that wasn't it just wasn't a good fit for me uh both from a culture perspective and from a strengths perspective as well so uh, I left my long-term career and I went off and I did some coach training and I had master's in organizational behavior and when I was doing the master's it was the application it was the data the research and the the people aspect of it that really lit me up because when I had been working in corporate I always tried to understand like what could I have done differently or what should the organization be doing differently so always thinking from that people perspective like how how can we do things differently how can we continually innovate and how can we make sure that things like this don't happen in the first place so taking everything that I've learned there and applying it i suppose in this new space where it's looking more at the people side of things that's way impressive that's that's really neat and we know you're calling in from tell us again where are you calling in (laughs) tenerife which is in the canary islands which is part of spain but off the coast of africa so uh if anyone is watching video i'm not sure if you're watching on video today but it's um it's very warm it's very warm here today yeah (laughs) Yeah, and where we're from is is on the cooler side, and so she's across the world. You're also from Dublin, and I, I, we know you love to travel. So tell us a little bit about like some of the best places you've been to. Um, we know you've been all over the world, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So 
Uh, I lived and worked in London for three and a half years after leaving Dublin and I traveled around Southeast Asia for five or six months. And then I spent about two and a half years living and traveling around Australia. In that time, I traveled around New Zealand for four weeks as well. And I went to Hawaii on my way back and I traveled around the States for a little while and a little bit of Canada. Uh, I came home for Christmas and then I came back to the States and I went down to the South, down to Miami. And I went uh, around South America then for about five or six months again, which included a trip to Antarctica and the Galapagos Islands. So I've done a huge, huge amount of travel. Um, I absolutely love, I think I just, uh, I love meeting new people. I love exploring the world and and seeing things, especially if it's something that you're familiar with, if you've seen images or videos or documentaries or something, and then you go and actually get to experience that firsthand. trying to pick a best place is really really hard Uh, but one place I think that I didn't know much about and I didn't have very high expectations was around southern Argentina and Chile where you can do loads of hiking it's in the mountains and just the scenery was absolutely fantastic and I didn't really know much about the area obviously having been to Antarctica it's very unusual and not a lot of people have been there so that was also a big highlight for me and I think people having seen images and things you sort of know what to expect but it's the sensation of being there it's like the end of the world and then another highlight that I mentioned a second ago the Galapagos Islands like just the sheer amount of wildlife that they have there and being able to get up close and personal and they're not afraid of humans they're it's you know it's very much interactive and that was just absolutely stunning as well holy cow did you see a lot of the animals in the galapagos islands as well the birds and the birds the lizards the seals and sea lions and yeah like we went swimming and snorkeling and oh my heavens. it was just stunning. Yeah, yeah, really, really was. I would highly recommend for anyone to go there. And that, that is remarkable. And, you know, talk about, you know, quite the experience traveling the world. And now you're in this new world of company culture. You know, you, you had <laughs> this other um, career life in retail and um, CPG and doing data analytics. And now you've leveled up with all this different experience and training organizational um you know behavior and and strategy there i think it's amazing so um maybe talk to us a little bit more about how you came to found the happier at work podcast um happier at work as you know the culture platform and just speak to us about that journey and what you're you're doing now Absolutely. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, it really sprung from my own dissatisfaction at work. So I had an experience when I was working in Australia. I had a fantastic experience working in one organization for six months and I left and I worked on the other side of Australia and they were very kind to sponsor my visa and all sorts of brilliant things. But I found within a couple of months, I realized it wasn't really the place for me. Now, when you're sponsored and on a visa, it makes the decision that little bit more awkward about like, what is my next move here? How can I rectify the situation? So I did try to to kind of rectify things, but I just found it wasn't really going anywhere. So that was kind of incident number one, let's say. And then I, as I mentioned, I took some time out to travel and I traveled quite a bit. And I ended up back in Dublin 
having previously been in London and having always harbored this desire to go and live in New York, I did end up back in Dublin and I worked there in an organization for four and a half years, which was a bit of a roller coaster. So it wasn't toxic as such as the previous place had been, but it was not a good fit for me. It wasn't the right place. I wasn't thriving. I wasn't, you know, I, when I do something, I want to do it really well. And I didn't feel like I had the opportunity to do that there. So I left. And I went on to do the the study that I mentioned. And the podcast came about because I am such an avid podcast listener. I love listening to podcasts. I love it as a format. I love learning things. I love listening. I love being inspired by other people. So I thought I have this idea that I want to get out in the world. I'm just gonna start it. So I had a microphone. I signed up for a SoundCloud account, or at least I had a SoundCloud account already. And I just started uploading podcasts there I created RSS feed and the rest as they say is history and um, it's something I've learned that I'm actually quite good at and that I really enjoy doing as well and we know you have over a hundred episodes now is that right yeah, yeah. 170 something yeah okay, oh my goodness thinking, yeah. wow yeah 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 now we're total 200 in March <laughs> <laughs> holy cow that's something to celebrate for sure yeah definitely Definitely. Yeah. There's already plans afoot to, to do something special in March to celebrate 200 episodes. Oh, good. That's, yeah, that's such a, an accomplishment. I mean, having done, you know, uh, just a little over 10 now, I can't even imagine like, that's just so, you know, to stick with something for that long. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's streamlined. It's automated, you know, all things again, that I didn't know that I was good at but it's the understanding the systems and how to make things work better for me and how to make things more efficient. I'm learning a lot about that and, and realizing that I'm actually quite good at it as well. So <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah. And for those who are listening, definitely check out the happier, happier at work podcast. It really will add to, you know, and we, our same audience, I think is, is HR. And so I think anyone listening to our podcast would definitely gain a lot from yours as well. So Thank you. We're yes. super happy to have you here. And what you mentioned was fit. So you felt yeah. like you didn't fit in at that company. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about, about the importance of fit and how that works. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I started my master's, I had a conversation at one of the lecturers explaining what had happened in my previous two work environments. And uh, she mentioned that, oh, it's this must be a fit issue. So I became obsessed with this idea. I did all my research around it. And there's so many different ways to measure it. And what I ended up doing was my entire dissertation around this, any opportunity to do a paper on fit. I, you know, we had a choice of what we could cover. That was what I was doing. And at the end of that, like oftentimes they say that you'll be sick of the whatever topic you chose for your dissertation. I, I still have so much more to learn about it and I love learning more about it. Um, but really, I looked at environmental fit and the, the core pillars, if you like, in it were this idea of values. So understanding what your values are and how closely those values align with the organization and then need satisfaction at work. So we have three core psychological needs that we all have, which are autonomy, relatedness and competence. So autonomy being a sense of choice and control over what you do and how you do it. Relatedness then is how you get along with other people, but also how you relate what you do on a day-to-day -day basis to the impacts that you're having on the organization, their objectives and their results. And then competence is a feeling of capability 
over what you're doing. So do you feel like you're capable of doing the job or is it too much of a stretch for you or is it not enough of a stretch? Maybe you're feeling a bit bored or complacent. And then the third aspect, the academic jargon was uh, talking about demands and abilities, but I kind of changed that around to talk more about strengths. So if we can understand what our strengths are at work, know what we're really good at, what we're naturally good at, and build on those rather than trying to mitigate our weaknesses, it's really important to, to do that at work and to feel like you're thriving and to feel like you're you're being challenged and that you're doing stuff that, that's that's important and, and that's using the abilities that you have. And um, so they are the kind of the core elements of it. So it's the values piece, the needs piece and the strengths piece, although I'm changing the language around on it a little bit. So values is kind of more about culture, needs is around balance because you need to find the balance between having say too much autonomy and too little autonomy where you could feel a bit directionless or feel like you're being micromanaged. And, and then the strengths piece is not just solely about understanding strengths, it's about empowering people to take responsibility and to understand what their strengths are and empowering leaders to focus on strengths instead of the development areas. No, that's incredibly fascinating and very detailed. And you know, it, it makes me think of Elliot Jacques. He was a Canadian psychoanalyst. I, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's no, I haven't. No. Well, you should look him up. He's he's the man that um, coined the term company culture. Oh, and okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He he wrote a book called The Changing Culture, and I think it was 1952. He studied an organization in the UK. It was a manufacturing, I think it was a steel manufacturing plant for a period of two years and observed the different behaviors of individuals and teams. And he ended up um, theorizing their eight principles of, I guess, like prerequisites to mm -hmm. earn from team members their full commitment is the terminology he used. And I think that really ties into this principle of fit that you're talking about. And he, he mentioned things like leadership, um, vision, um, having uh, an understanding, a psychological safety was one, um, mm. and there's eight. And one of them was um, job. I don't know if he used the word fit or not, but like alignment with the position, like skills yeah. to, to the role. Um, mm. So I think the way that you spoke to this, I think is really insightful for everyone listening is as mm. you think about your own job, where you are right now, like have a little bit of introspection to think about what are your own personal values and uh, what are the listed values of the company and maybe how does that differ from the lived values of the yeah. company? Because sometimes there's a misalignment there. and Exactly. And so <laughs> I think that's really cool. The autonomy, relatedness, competence, and then uh, strengths in conjunction with the uh, the position. And if you feel like capable of doing that thing everyone wants to fill that so that incredible insights thank you for sharing that yeah and so i i'd love to hear so you know if there is a misalignment mm. what do you recommend a person a person does if they've done the introspection and they think that maybe you know either their values values don't align with the company or maybe their capabilities or something else what do mm. they do if there's a misalignment there 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing to address is that oftentimes people don't take the time for that introspection. And if you had asked me five years ago, what are your values? I would have no idea. What are your needs? Equally, yeah. I have absolutely zero idea. So a lot of the time we don't know. And if we're asked about values, we kind of maybe default to whatever is on the wall or on the email signature, yeah. the, the company's values. And, and as Matt said as well, that it's those are not necessarily the lived experience of the people who are there. So I personally have experienced a couple of places where I realized that, it, and I, again, I didn't have the terminology at the time. I didn't know, I may have said fit because fit is kind of a bit more broadly used, but like the kind of the academic jargon I wasn't, I wasn't really familiar with. Uh, so for me, there was one place that I knew it was just toxic. It, it wasn't a good fit and I had to leave. I just had to get out of there. I had to get out of that situation for myself, for my own mental health. And then another situation where it wasn't toxic uh, for everyone, but it was toxic for me because I wasn't thriving in that environment. It wasn't the right place for me at all. I had a conversation with my manager. It was a large global organization. So there would have been opportunities to move around, to take a different role. I did have that conversation. It didn't really go anywhere, or at least it didn't go as quickly as I would have liked. I, you know, again, I think a pace of how things work in an organization is really important. And something that I have realized myself that I work at quite a fast pace. I like things to happen quickly. So if I'm in an organization that's very bureaucratic and you know things take months to get over the line that would be really frustrating for me so it wasn't really happening quickly and i just made the decision that this is it's not the right place for me at all and i left without anything to go to i didn't know what i was going to end up doing next and that's when i discovered coaching and i went and pursued that as a as a field of study and then started my masters and then started the business which was totally unexpected but that's kind of how I've ended up. So I think having a conversation initially, have that conversation. If you feel like your strengths are not being used at work, if you have so much more to give, a lot of the time people talk about untapped potential. And I did a totally unscientific poll on LinkedIn uh, probably about a year ago, and 80% of people, which even surprised me, 80% of people said that they weren't reaching their full potential through their work. And, you know, it's it's really disheartening to hear things like that when people feel like they have so much more to give at work, but they're not having those opportunities to give that, whether they're overworked, whether they just are not in the right role to shine, whatever it might be, people often feel like they have, they still have something inside of them that they, they kind of want to give to their work. Interesting. So maybe an indicator to be intro introspective is dissatisfaction, you know, or yeah. you, know, you mentioned toxic, feeling like you're in a toxic workplace for you or even beyond yourself. But that kind of ignites that introspection. And then, you know, you look, well, what is it that's not lining up yeah. here? And mm -hmm. is it something that can be changed? And if not, then essentially you want to exit the organization. That's exactly it. Yeah, I think that's the spur often is what's going on. And we have a tendency, I think, to blame the situation or to blame other people. But like what responsibility can you take for yourself in this situation rather than putting the blame outwards? 
if you want to take full responsibility, what does that look like? Is that leaving? Is that having a difficult conversation? What does that actually look like for you? I think it's important to recognize that. But uh, thank you. I love that explanation, Krista. <laughs> so do you have any recommendations to, to people who um, are wanting to do that introspection? Like, are there things that they can do to kind of help them identify what their values are or you know what absolutely yeah well i mean capabilities i'll start with first because i think it's easier there are so many tools online that you can take for free to discover what your strengths are and maybe you knew they were your strengths already or maybe you didn't but i think the thing that we should recognize with strengths is that oftentimes we don't know that our own strengths are strengths because they come so easily and naturally to us like i said i'm discovering these things now and you know, people will say, the example I always think of is escape rooms. I love escape rooms. I'm not sure if you've ever done one, but I'll go in and I'll see the clue and I'll be like, oh, that is connected with that. And people are like, how how did you do that? I'm like, that's easy. Like, how did you not do that? <laughs> so that, it's thinking things like that. Where are you showing up where people are like, how, how did you do that? Or how did you do that so quickly? Or can you show me how yeah. to do that? Or saying that you're good at, at, at something that other people are recognizing in you that you're good at something so i think that's the strengths piece on the values piece it's probably a little bit more complex to try and understand it and it's a longer process and it's an ongoing process i think as well so for me there's a couple of ways you can look at it so you can think about how do you spend your time how do you want to spend your time so for me, learning is really important. And learning can maybe be tied in with the, all of the travel that I've done and exploring the world. It's a really nice way to learn and to meet new people and to connect with people as well. Uh, you can think about how you spend your time, how you spend your energy, how you spend your money. Who are the people that you spend time with? What are the things that you have surrounding you in your office, in your in your home as well do you have pictures of family on the wall do you have accolades on the wall what are the things that are important to you because you're going to demonstrate them in your life another way to think about it is what are the things that really bother you so uh, something that i'm discovering that's really bothering me is things that are inefficient so if i see waste or if i see things that are much slower than what they need to be it really frustrates me so i can say that efficiency is maybe one of my core values now when i said this to someone else she was like oh efficiency makes you seem really <laughs> quite um robotic or or something and uh, but you need to add in generosity there as well because you're very generous with your time and with your knowledge so it's i think it's a process of thinking about all of these things tying them together with a common thread to understand what are the things that i hold dear what are the things and if you think about values as something that it's not related to money whatsoever and in fact money kind of goes out the window even if it's going to it's something that would cost you money you would still stand your ground for this thing that you believe so so strongly in so if you think about values in a nutshell it's something that you stand for knowing what you stand for and knowing what you stand against and being able to articulate that in a way and so bringing that into an organization it's looking at the behaviors around you and we tend to apply our own values onto other people so the expectations we have of ourselves in relation to our values are the expect excuse me the expectations that we place on others and so if we see them behaving in a way that misaligns with how we think they should be behaving 
then that jars with us and you feel like an internal conflict you want to say something maybe you don't feel comfortable saying something but it causes an internal conflict and that's kind of how it how it manifests okay it's, it's kind of a dissonance and you either synchronize with the culture that's at that company and don't feel good about it or you feel like you can't be yourself because you don't align with that that's so, two so valuable points from there. Thank you so much for articulating that. And it's all right because we want to feel like we belong in the organization. So sometimes we we change ourselves, we mold ourselves to feel that greater sense of belonging with the other people. But then other times there is this kind of, like you say, dissonance. So I don't feel, and I, I think I had both of those experiences in the past. Um, the environment that we're in has a huge impact on us in the same way that we have an impact on the environment. And I think, Matt, we spoke about this last week. It's not just a case of I am joining this organization and the, here are the values. The values are a collection of human beings, their people, their relationships. It's how we interact with, with people on a day-to-day -day basis, essentially. So it's not just thinking of this in the abstract. It's thinking about What's the reality of when I joined this organization and how are people showing up and how are the relationships that I have with them? And do I want to actually be here or do I want to remove myself from this situation if it's not if it's not something that feels good? I think that's really powerful. And for everyone listening, we have to realize that, you know, we're in the driver's seat of our own life, of our own careers and our own experiences and some things it's okay for us to have some radical candor and try to address things like we can some misalignments, some elements of dissonance in our work experience, we can address and, and it's worth doing that. But some things, and even expected, I would say, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. We shouldn't be walking around as like these entitled uh, beings that just need everything to rain down on us perfectly according to our checkbook. <laughs> We're, sometimes we're we feel sometimes we feel that way though we feel like you know i'm doing such a great job so i should be recognized for that yeah. but i need to tell everyone how great of a job i'm doing for that it's an important reminder a hundred percent and another thing that i would say is sometimes there are seasons in our career mm. where um there's an alignment for a time and and we outgrow it in a certain way because we're so true and, so true. and that's I've experienced that firsthand. And I, I went from a company that was a best place to work very much on purpose. I wanted to go to another company that had, you know, a lower reputation for company culture. And that was because I wanted to help affect change. And so I had a personal value of going somewhere that didn't check all the boxes on purpose. Uh, because I wanted to be part of the change. And so I think mm -hmm. for everyone listening, you know, I hope that you get some ideas that you can personalize to yourself and think about uh, what you value and how your current work experience is. But don't let any list from someone else be the absolute checklist. Like, remember, it's your life. You're in the driver's seat. Like, think about what makes sense for you. I like to think of it as, you know, must-haves and nice-to-haves elements mm. to consider. I love and, that. And then that kind of makes it a little easier because the the nice-to-haves, you can be a little bit more loose on those things and 
maybe work towards something later on in your career. Like you yeah. don't have, to have everything today. You can mm -hmm. sacrifice a little bit for the future. Yeah. And one other thing, I want to hear what your thoughts are on, on this, um, Aoife, but one other thing to all of our HR managers and people leaders that are going, what are you doing in this episode? You're making everyone want to leave. Like, stop. Like there's a book <laughs> called Who Moved My Cheese? That's kind of about the same thing. I love Who Moved My Cheese. <laughs> it talks through this. Like you have that conversation with yourself, but really organizations are collections of people and people are complex and we have human needs while the business has business needs. And yeah. for those two to work together, for everyone to win, um, it's this ongoing thing. We're not computers. We can't just be programmed and we have emotions, we have feelings. And so things are going to change over time and we have to be honest with ourselves. And if there's a significant disalignment or misalignment, then yes, it makes sense for us to leave. Ultimately will be a net negative for the company and for ourselves if we just allow ourselves to be in this uh, situation that doesn't align. So it's okay to grow. It's okay to be challenged sometimes and move on to that next position, even if it's in the same company or a different organization. And that will help you be your best, which companies that are their best employ teams where they can be their best. And, and so there has to be this kind of mutual um, thing. So lots of thoughts, but yeah, I want to see if Absolutely. you have anything. Yeah, no, totally. And I think, yeah, if, if people are listening today thinking, okay, so that's very well from an individual perspective, how do we do that from a company perspective? I think going back to your earlier point, Matt, understanding what those values are, if you don't have your values to find, to find your values, to find what is important to the company. and sure that they're meaningful for the people who work there. So it's really important, I think, to get the entire staff involved in the creation of what the values are and an agreement of what that looks like. What does the behavior look like? What is going against the values look like? So first of all, define them. Second of all, make sure they are the lived experience. Is this what people are experiencing at work on a day-to-day -day basis? Or is there a way that somehow, if you're more senior, it's okay if you do something else? Because that type of behavior will trickle down into the organization and if it's not stamped out if it's not dealt with in a positive way then it's going to filter into the entire organization and suddenly the values are meaningless and if if there's one value that's you know i always think of this value of um simple in the most complex organization i ever worked in and when you say something is simple or that you value simplicity and you make things so complex that it's hard for people to do anything then there's a misalignment there and people don't really trust what you talk about, what you say, and they don't trust in the other values either. So I think knowing what those values are, making sure that they're lived and that, that people are equipped to have conversations to address issues where they are not being lived, but they're equally celebrated for living the values and for demonstrating the values on a day-to-day -day basis. I think that's that's really, really important. Building on that then when you're hiring people, it's important to know what those values are and hire for culture and hire for values and strengths, I think, at the same time. So you don't have to hire for skills. You don't have to hire for a number of years of experience. Find out if the person is a good fit culturally by understanding the things that are important to them and how they relate to the things that are important to the organization. And also at the same time, understanding 
what are their natural strengths and abilities and how are they going to fit in with the rest of the team so from a culture perspective you can look at from the organization from the manager from the team itself as well and then also understanding how are they fitting in in terms of the role so are they going to get to use their strengths in this role that we're putting them in I love that. I think, um, you know, you mentioned kind of a two-faced perspective. If a a company's not uh, acting the way that they say they are, right? And and it's almost we almost you almost described a company as if they were a person, and it's kind of a similar process on both sides. Defining your value, having introspection just on that company level. And then implementing that. And I think probably it's the interview process where that has the biggest impact because it can be tricky to, you know, fire or find the right place for a person after you've already hired them. And so that exactly. interview process is crucial. Yeah. And yeah. gearing your questions not as much about how many years of experience have you had or um, you know, tell me about if you can do in this hypothetical situation, oh, what would you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Understanding them as a person, I think. And, yeah, and it's very costly for companies to get that wrong. So if you bring the wrong person into the organization, how much time and energy have you invested in into that situation? It's so important to get that right, I think, from the get-go. It's so important to to make sure that you that you do it right because like you say. I mean, the the regulations are a bit stricter in Europe than they will be in the States. So I know it's easier maybe to fire people in the States than it would be in Europe. But even so, if you bring someone into an organization, if they're not performing, if they're not doing what's expected, it's felt in the entire organization. If it's a small group of people, it's really felt and you have to deal with it and you have to deal with it really quickly. So. I think for that reason, it's important to address that up front. So you make sure that you do bring the right people in. I always talk about the right people as opposed to the best people. Everyone's out there looking for the best talent. It's not. It's about finding the right talent for your organization. So who are the right people to be in that role? I think that's a, a great point to kind of wrap our conversation on is fit is about the right alignment, both with the people that you're trying to hire and the company that you want to be in, the position that you want to be in, the team that you want to be in. And it's it's worth taking the time to have that conversation with yourself for your own career and for those that are people leaders and hires or hiring. They it's important to do that as well. And for everyone listening, thanks for being here. Make sure to you know go check out the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife. It's incredible. And make sure to follow the culture profit if you Love this episode. Leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends. And thanks for being here with us, Aoife. Thanks, Aoife. Thank you so much, Matt and Chris. I absolutely love this conversation. I can't wait to listen back. Thanks for tuning in to the Culture Profit Podcast and for being a part of our journey to prove that putting people first is best for business. Today's episode was sponsored by Mobrium. Want to get more employee reviews and streamline your employer reputation? Visit mobrium.com. Now go find one way to prioritize your people and watch your profits grow.